Good morning, Life Church family. One thing tough about being the speaker for the day is you have to follow worship, right? Like after that. Uh, if you look at my title, my title today is built different. Say you gotta read it. Actually, one of my favorite subjects in school was, I guess it would be English or language where they taught you how to read according to punctuation. I used to love that kind of stuff. And so when I was, yes, I am officially a nerd. Uh, so when I was getting ready for this week, which y'all know I've taught uh, three already, three weeks of built different. If you haven't seen them yet, go back to all on our Facebook pages. Uh, and when I was getting ready for this week, it was just, everything was so different, but I was still so consumed with it. So my title is, Built Different? <laughs> like, maybe that'll work? We'll see. I don't really know yet. Uh, we'll see where this goes. I want to start, first of all, by just giving honor where honor is due. Um, I see one is not with us today, but I want to give honor to, and I know I've done this quite a bit, but I want to give honor to our Golden Club. That's what I like to call them some of the original ones that are here. And I want to do it today because last Sunday, right? That was last Sunday, Pastor Connie preached on Legacy. And she called us millennials up here and we stood in a line. And the Golden Club and some others came through and prayed. But me and my wife actually left talking that day about the impact of y'all's words and your prayers that day. You literally stopped and spoke to every one of us. You prayed specific things. Flukey just kept telling me how much he loved me and I was just crying like a little girl and it was awesome uh, but it was phenomenal and that is the kind of um, that is the generation before us you millennials you young people listen and pay attention that's what we have before us and we have to honor that you'll learn really quick in the kingdom you can acquire something quicker by honoring it than studying it pay attention here if you learn to honor that that was before you you will possess quicker that that you want and learn to honor the thing you feel drawn to, whatever that may be. Find a way to honor that. I feel like I've, I've, I've pursued honor a lot in my life, and by no means have I always gotten it right. But I have had the statement made to me on lots of occasions about you're so spiritually grown and you're ahead of your years. And just, you know, those kinds of statements you hear from people that are established in the faith. And it's kind of like a, why? How did you get there? How do I get there? And I honestly have to give a lot of it to honor. I have to give so much of it to be willing to honor when me and my leadership would butt heads. And at the end of the day, you just got to honor. So I, I just wanted to start by doing that. I love you guys. and I thank you so much. Uh, I know it will be tempting to think, well, you don't do much anymore. You're not that super involved because we're all wild and crazy as far as doing and going. But we know what you do. And Sunday was the proof of what you do. You invest in the spirituality of us. So come on, let's honor them this morning. I actually, I don't, I don't, uh, what's the word? I don't have any less respect for you because you're not as expressive in worship because of your wisdom and age. How do I say that politely? <laughs> Does that, do you get what I'm trying to say, though? I don't want you to feel like I'm thinking, well, why ain't they running and jumping? Well, I'm only 33, but I know why you're not, uh, because my knees hurt and I'm tired. 
But it reminded, I don't know why I'm going into all this, but it's here. But it reminded me of actually in the church I grew up in, we would have these nights where it was just worship and it was just things going on. And they would literally stop us and they would tell us younger ones, go pick a, um, what's the word I can use? (laughs) Go pick a senior citizen, maybe? That even sounds kind of, anyway, go pick someone with silver hair. And uh, they would literally tell us, go pick an elderly person out of the crowd and you worship for them you dance for them you run for them uh so i want life church to cling to that and hold to that that us young people we're not trying to run off and leave you i promise that is not what i want at all and in any of you i even see some gray hair in the sound room uh <laughs> well not hair he ain't got no hair gray mustache I, I see you and i want you to know we're not trying to run off and leave you we covet your prayers we know that you intercede for us and that's what we need Total side note. You're welcome. That was free. Pop off Wookie goes first. Thank you. Uh, I want to take this time for a commercial. He just set the stage. Uh, God has given me extreme burden for the millennials, the X generation, and the baby boomers. Uh, And uh, we'll be contacting nine different churches to be a part of this. But I've been praying on how to do it, and I've come to the conclusion I'll be contacting all of them, but I will be doing that service here on October the 3rd, I think it is. It's a Saturday night. Uh, October 3rd, and uh, we're going to represent the millennials, the baby boomers, and the X generation. Huh? Is it the second? That's everybody. Exactly right. And it's going to consist of a message that will show us and prove to us it's going to take all three generations to see this move of God. And it's going to weld us together. So I really need you to be planning for that. And to be a part of that, because I really want to uh, kind of section this off, because this is going out to, what are you saying, second? October 2nd? Uh, so we want you to be a part of that. It's going to show to where we need every generation working together, fighting together, running in our own lane. And, we're gonna, and, and that's the foundation that will hold a move of God that we're after. So we want to see it in live church. I'm going to share it with nine other churches. So, I want to start with just sharing some, (laughs) I just want to start with sharing you just something where I've been personally on my own journey, we're going to kind of use that. So, according in a way, I almost feel like I have two sermons today, but in a way, I don't. Uh, so, we're just going to see where this goes today. Uh, if you've been tracking with Life Church for a while now, been a part, 
I believe it would be no stretch of the imagination to say that I personally, I've been quiet for a while. As it relates to ministry and being in the forefront and just doing things, I've just been quiet. And if you're tracking and you pay attention to anything, you've noticed. You, I mean, it's just if you're paying attention to anything. You notice that. And at first I thought I needed to find a way to apologize for being quiet and just all this stuff. But over the last couple of weeks, uh, Holy Spirit has just been showing me my journey and where I'm at. And, and I just want to start sharing with you some of the things that he's been showing me, and I want to do this to possibly help some of you who are in a process or you're, you're in your journey. Uh, one thing about me I know, and, you know, recently uh, me and my wife have made several just major transitions in our life. Uh, if you're close to us, you know what some of those transitions are of moving into a different lane, the lane that I'm called to, and starting a business, and uh, my wife having to raise four kids. Yes, I'm one of them. Uh, so just, just so much going on, and I'm the type, uh, dad gets, it's so funny to watch dad when he works with me, because I'm the type that I process quietly. Like, say we're on a job, and something's going on, and we run into something we weren't expecting, and we have to figure it out in the moment. Well, I'm going to be quiet, because my brain is working. You get me? Like, I'm not saying much, I'm just quietly processing everything. And when I'm working with Dad, he's pacing and grabbing and grunting and trying to figure things out and stick things in places. And he often calls me Oscar Whitmire because that's how my Papa Whitmire was. He would just stand quietly and scratch his head. It's just how I process. It's how I process life. And, and so usually when I'm in transition, I'm going through things, I'm quiet. I listen a lot. I take in a lot, but I don't say a lot. Of course, I don't say a lot just by my personality type. I'm just not a big talker. It's funny because Colby and I own a construction company and work together, and Colby processes totally different. When we run into a problem on the construction site and we start trying to figure out how to get past it, in the moments that I'm standing quietly, Colby has done spoken 48 different scenarios to try to get this thing done. And he's doing, and, and so I told Courtney, I said, and then by the end of it, I just finally get to the process in my mind, and I void everything he said and do it the right way. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but it's just, I just want you to know that's, that's me. That's how I process things, and, and it's just the way God designed me. Uh, everybody processes differently. I'm about to show you the biblical side of a process that God is using to help me. And so if you don't process like this, I don't want you to feel like I'm coming at you and saying you're wrong and you're not biblical and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to show you what's been said to me, what he's been showing me. If you pay attention that as it relates to ministry, Jesus was quiet both in the wilderness and in the garden. He didn't teach. He didn't speak. He didn't do a lot of things. He was quiet. He was, he was going through a process when he was in the wilderness. And when he was in the garden, he was quiet for most of these times. And as I begin to look at this, uh, Holy Spirit began to show me some things about it. When Jesus was going through these two processes and he was quiet, in the wilderness, he spoke with Satan. And in the garden, he spoke with Abba. And as I was thinking about these two moments where he was processing and he was dealing with things and he was going through stuff, and, and the Holy Spirit began to show me that in the wilderness he spoke with the Satan, 
And in the garden, he spoke with Abba. The Holy Spirit asked me a question and said, which one do you think was more painful? Well, if you know anything about the Bible, the garden was infinitely more painful than the wilderness. There was no comparison to the process and the things that were happening to Jesus between the wilderness and the garden. And I begin to be kind of just like, wait, what? (laughs) Why is the conversation with Abba this immeasurable painful moment where sweat became drops of blood and the conversation with Satan seemed so easy? Just, Jesus just did his thing. And I believe that did, that in, in, in trying to figure these out, the Holy Spirit began to show me that dealing with the enemy pales in comparison to being prepared for your calling. Dealing with the enemy pales in comparison to being prepared for your calling. Satan, Satan's a chump. Jesus spoke three times and then said, leave, and Satan did it. But in the garden, when Jesus was being prepared to do what he was called to do, it's a totally different story. All of a sudden, the struggle and the fight and the turning and the tossing and sweat becoming drops of blood, I think we've given the enemy way too much credit for people that give up and walk away. It wasn't Satan because Satan's not strong enough. Most people that walk away is because they couldn't endure the garden, not the wilderness. So what you have to understand is if you can't handle dealing with the enemy in the wilderness, you'll never make it through the conversation with God in the garden. The flesh things that we fight with and deal with with the enemy, it's a cakewalk compared to being on your knees in the garden, saying, God, whatever your will is, let it be done. Cancel my will. And we've spent so much time training you how to do the easy part because fighting Satan is the easy part. We've spent all of our time figuring out how do you deal with Satan? How do you deal with Satan? Easy, the same way Jesus did. Quote the word and tell him to leave. But if we can't handle dealing with him, and what about this, and can I do this, and can I do that, and is this a sin, and is that a sin, none of those were the questions in the garden. But he was in this writhing pain where he said, not my will, not my will is way harder than devil get out. Devil get out is easy. I'm not here to belittle or or, or make any of that side of things not feel important. I understand fighting the enemy. I understand dealing with situations. But if you can't get past those things, you'll never handle being prepared in the garden. Jesus didn't have to, he didn't shed a drop of blood in the wilderness. He didn't raise his voice. He didn't fall down in agony. He didn't experience pain. As a matter of fact, he was physically depleted before Satan ever showed up. In other words, he knew, man, this won't even be a fight. So let me take 40 days to become as weak as I can, then show up and see if you have a chance. But we've made Satan some God. 
and he rules our life and he wrecks our lives and he comes in and says, you're depressed, you're defeated, you're oppressed, you're no good, you're never going to be measured up and we can't handle the wilderness. And because we can't handle him in the wilderness, we never even make it to the garden. The goal is to get you to the garden because the garden is the first step of your resurrection. But you never get to the garden if you keep dying in the wilderness. Do, you under, do we understand that the wilderness was first grade? Jesus hasn't done anything to this moment. This is the beginning. And he goes into the wilderness and handles the enemy. And then spends three and a half years being prepared and learning obedience even to the point of death so that he can go into the garden. So God began to show me that often I'm quiet when I'm processing these two things and these two places. And I've been asking questions lately like, God, I don't understand why this process seems to be taking so long. And this process seems to hurt so much worse. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with, I'm not going to God saying, oh, will you help me not to gossip? Oh, will you help me not to be mean to people? We're not talking about this stuff. No, all of a sudden we're in a process where it feels like everything that I am is just being wrung out and twisted and turned and killed and taken away. And, and you know what's really tough about the garden? Is it's a garden. I go to the garden to speak with Abba. I go to the wilderness ready for a fight. Like the wilderness is not going to be fun. It's going to be hot and I'm going to be thirsty and the enemy is going to be there and I'm mentally ready. But when I'm hanging out in a garden, see the what happens a lot of times is we get saved and we go through the wilderness and you've dealt with things and you've moved on and now all of a sudden you feel like you're in the garden. Your ministry's taken off. Your family feels good. Everything's getting in order and you're thinking, man, I've got this made now. You're teaching like Jesus was and people are starting to listen. Now you have influence. You're thinking, man, this garden, this is where it's at. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the place where you think you've got it figured out now, sweat starts becoming like blood. And everything starts becoming harder. And everything you thought you knew has to die. And everything you thought you believed has to go under the microscope. And everything you taught, everything you stand for, all of your theology, the way you do family, everything starts getting ringed out. And now you're in the garden. And you're in this process that makes the wilderness look like cakewalk. came to this understanding this week that the church has gotten it backwards and we've deemed dealing with Satan harder than being prepared for what we're called to do. And Satan is as big as you want him to be. Because I've learned that a lot of people love the struggle. They love it. They love to come to you and say, oh my Satan's been on my back all week long. I'm thinking, is that why you have such a bad attitude? 
You see what I'm saying? And, and this is the approach we've had, and we've made them, we've turned molehills into mountains. And because we're so focused on this image that we created, because the Bible actually tells us when we get to the end of this and we see him, we will say, for real? That's the one that I turned into a Goliath? But if we can keep focusing on him in the wilderness, he can keep us from getting to our garden. So Satan will dance with you in the wilderness as long as you're letting him. And he'll spin you, and you'll go around that mountain, and around that mountain, and around that mountain, and you'll stay focused on him, and you'll come in, and you'll do your whole warfare, and fight the enemy, and become so obsessed with him, and never actually get to go into the garden where you actually have to die. And so these are two processes where Jesus was quiet. And so as I begin to ask these questions and try to figure this out, I believe God just began to show me that the garden is going to be harder and take you a little longer than the wilderness is. I remember when I came through my wilderness, and maybe we go through it multiple times in our life. I, I don't know how, exactly how that works, but, but I remember going through and you're literally dealing with flesh. You're dealing with old natures and mindsets and all those kinds of things, and you're fighting it, and you're attacking it, and that's what we need people around us for is for in those moments there's nothing like having a community of brothers and sisters who are spiritual around you when you go into your wilderness. But guess who's there when you go in the garden? No one. It's just the Father. And so he began to just show me some things about me. Because I was starting to ask the question, what happened? I was, in, I was chilling in the garden. I thought I had it. I was being prepped and primed and ready to go into positions and have places and all this. And then all of a sudden, and I think too often when we find ourselves there, we ignorantly just give the devil all the credit. But guess who wasn't in the garden? The devil. So this is where I want to try to help you out. You need to be spiritual enough to discern. Am I still in the wilderness fighting petty stuff and dealing with the tricks and the temptations of Satan? Or is this moment in my life taking me into a garden where it's going to be with Abba, but it's going to be immeasurably more painful than anything you've been through? But what came after the garden? The cross. And after the cross, it was the resurrection. That garden prepared him. It prepared him. And actually, you know what? Now I see it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That sets me up for where I want to go today. Uh, let's just go to our scriptures, Jason. Let's start there. John chapter 6, verse 60. I want to take you on. If, you're, if, you're, if you have ears to hear, hear these scriptures, fill them with your spirit. Because if, you, if you're spiritually attuned to these scriptures, I'm about to take you on an emotional roller coaster. Are you ready? I hear pages turning. That's awesome. 
there, say amen. I love that. I love it. John, it's a pretty simple one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's right there. It's on the New Testament. John chapter 6, verse 60 says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, we're going to take our time with this, all right? We got the teacher this morning. Check this out. Notice who we're talking about. Pay attention. There's, there's an incredible law when it comes to, I'm not going to use any of those big, crazy words. When it comes to how you read and study the Bible, there's a law you have to follow, and it's called the law of first mention. You have to understand that when something's first brought into the context of what you're talking about, you have to carry that context throughout the rest of the passage that you read. Otherwise, you can take that context and just make it whatever you want, right? So pay attention to this. Therefore, many of his... Come on, this is teacher day. Many of his, when they heard this, said, this is hard. Who can understand this? And when Jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained about this, I love this. He said, you offended, bro? <laughs> that's, how, well, that's not probably not how he said it. Art thou offended? Because for some reason we think he talks like King James. I don't understand that one either. Uh, no, he says, does this offend you? What then? If you should see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before... It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and because they're spirit, they bring life. So, so let's catch this real quick. This is totally a side note. That means you can say a whole lot of religious things that have no life. It's all about the spirit from which it's said. Because the disciples in one situation quoted a prophet from the Old Testament so they would have an excuse to kill people. And Jesus said, you don't know what, come on, Bible students, you don't know what spirit you're of. So even this, without the spirit, can't bring life. All right, let's keep going. Don't y'all love the Bible? So much just in this little section. Where are we at? 64? But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said these things to you, that no one can come to me unless, he is granted to, unless it is granted to him by my Father. Check this out. This scripture, I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. This scripture is John 6, 6, 6. You ready? Saddest, possibly one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. John 6, 6, 6 says, from that time, many of his... Remember, we started with many disciples. Now we're back. Many of the disciples did what? They went back. Not only did they go back, they didn't follow him no more. Man. You feel the emotion in the room? I told you I was going to take you on a roller coaster. Buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked into the world. And then Jesus said to the disciples, because Jesus is so awesome, you going to leave too? But Simon said, Lord, where are we going to go? Go where? Go to who? Go listen to what? Once I've heard Jesus, 
Go where? Listen to who? Oh, come on. Some of y'all weren't ready yet. Put your hands up like we're on that roller coaster because Peter's fixing to take us over the edge now. Go back to what? I understand they all left, but I know you. And I'm thinking, go to who? Oh, come on, y'all. Ah. Simon said, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And this is it right here, verse 69. We're going we're gonna to tee off on this one. You ready? Also, not only are your words life, but also we come to believe and know that you're Jesus Christ. You're the man. You're the one. You know why we search so much? Because we don't know and believe he's the one. And when he's the one, where else would I go? Where else do I go when I'm convinced he's the one? You can't tell me nothing from nowhere else. No one else is bringing truth. No one else is bringing revelation. It has to be Jesus. So I choose to cancel everything I've learned that doesn't filter through Jesus. Peter said, go where? Go where? Go back to my successful fishing career that was handed down from generation to generation? Go, no, no, no. No, because see, I already know you now. And once I know you, oh man, I wish we had some people that just knew him. Because when you know him, there is no 666. There is no, and then I went back. Jesus said, those who put their hand to the plow and look back are not even worthy to follow me. And all of a sudden, in 667, Peter says, wait, what? Or 668, go where? Because now I know you. It's easy to leave when you don't know him. That's why people leave churches every day. They're not leaving Jesus. They're just leaving all of us. Because I'm going be to be totally honest with you. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Sometimes leaving y'all would be easy. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to be real today. I know y'all can't be honest yet, but sometimes y'all get on my nerves. You know who don't get on my nerves? Jesus. See, that's the thing, is too often we think, well, how in the world did they leave Jesus? Oh, they didn't. Trust me. Golly. <laughs> Sometimes I got to pause and let him catch up. You feel me? They didn't. All right, all right, let's stay on, let's stay on track. Notice this, though. No, I do want to notice this. I do want to pay attention. It's easy to read this and just think, well, these are those people just passing by listening to Jesus. But remember, it's the law first mentioned. Many of his disciples. See, because in their day, you didn't just call yourself a disciple. You had to be named a disciple by what you were doing. You feel me? John had disciples. We see disciples in the Old Testament under the major prophets. You know what I mean? So these are not just people who happened to show up one day and be like, oh, this dude's cool. And then he says something crazy and they leave. No, they had to, and then it says, and they walked with him no more. So they were walking. Now they're not. Feel me? So it's, it's disciples who run into something that's too hard for them to grasp. And when they can't understand it and grasp it, it becomes the excuse to exit. 
This is, this is so much of the Western church. But let me take it one step further because I want you to see what's happening. You've got to see the context of what's taking place. Do you know what miracle Jesus has just performed right before this? Anybody know offhand? Fed the 5,000. Jesus feeds the 5,000, multiplies the bread. So when he does that, he gets to a point where he's like, man, we've got to have a break from all these people. Like, it's just getting crazy, right? So they get in a boat, and they cross over the water. Y'all know, y'all know the story. They cross the water. They get to the other side. Well, what they don't know is while they were crossing over, all the people just went around on land. And when he gets to the other side, it's a crowd of people. People, ever, Why? Because they've been following him place to place. And now, all of a sudden, following him fed their bellies. I'm about to make some statements. Love me anyway. You ready? So what happened is, what was intended to just be a gift to help them in the moment, they took it and turned it and made it something that they expected out of him. Oh, I feel treading in it now. <laughs> so what he just gave as a gift because he's Jesus and he's awesome. Here's a miracle. Here's this bread. Don't you know that had to be the best bread you ever ate in your life? Jesus made it, okay? And now it's filled them. And instead of just being super thankful, like we got this gift, this miracle, now all of a sudden I expect you to give to me. I expect your miracles to fill me. and to fi- I expect you to turn tricks so that I... And then on the other side of the water, Jesus doesn't make bread. Instead, he starts asking something out of them. And all of a sudden, there's this, wait, I didn't show up to get rules and regulations. I showed up for bread. I just showed up for something free. My gosh. I didn't come on Sunday because I wanted to be expected of something. I just came for something free. There's a word for this. almost titled the message this and I backed out. There's a word for this and it's called socialistic Christianity. And it's this idea that what began as a really good gift through the idea and the mentality of socialism, now what was a gift, I expect you to give that to me. You owe me that. And through entitlement, socialism creeps into the church And I don't want to show up and be expected and earn anything. I just want you to give me a free gift. I just want to ride off the pastor's anointing. I don't want to work to get my, I don't want to go through my own garden. I want your garden to get me there. Guess what? My garden don't get you there. And I can't give it to you as a free gift. You have to, you have to earn it. Jesus said, unless you. See, because what happened is he went to teach in a sermon that started with, unless you. Whoa. On the other side of the, the water, you, you just gave me free bread. So I just showed up for the free bread, and now you flip the script and said, unless you. Well, now you know why they're having a hard time understanding it? Because they showed up just expecting free stuff, and instead they showed up to, unless you. Well, that's not what I wanted. 
I just came to Life Church because I heard it was fun and free. Oh, it is on the other side of unless you. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? And so a, I don't know how else to deal with it, a socialistic mindset has come into the church and will sit in the church and judge people out there for their socialism while we sit in church expecting God to be a socialist. It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. It's the same thing. And can, can, I, just, can I just throw this, this out here? This is just, you get one free political statement from me today. I believe socialism is the Trojan horse for communism. You can take that and do what you want with it. But it was the same thing that happened to the church. It feels so good to say that about America, don't it? makes you feel so patriotic and strong. Socialism is the Trojan horse for communism and America's going. Let's turn that and look at the church. You know why America's going there? Because the church has been there. The church has been there for a long time. And what the church wants is a government establishment where you have five people who do all the work and provide you with everything you need. And they save the community, and they feed the sick, and they take care of the poor, while you do nothing but show up once a time a week, and you may throw some money in the pot because it makes you feel better. And then when we say, unless you... You want revival? Go get it. You want the poor to be fed? Go feed them. You want people to be helped? Go help them. You want to see your school district change? Get in it. Quit talking about it. Do something about it. Do something about it. Don't expect to come in and sit down with a socialistic mindset. Yes, it starts with a free gift, a free gift that none of you should earn. The problem is when you take that free gift and you expect Jesus to keep turning tricks so that you're fed. Can I tell you, Jesus said, I will not turn another trick, but unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood and go to the cross yourself, you won't get none of it. That's the gospel, and the gospel is not tied to a socialistic mindset. He kept saying, God literally is named the rewarder. The rewarder. But Kenny, I don't want that. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to sweat. I don't want to put in my own time. I just want to sit right here and get what you owe me. You know, the Bible says to owe no man nothing. So guess who owes you something? No one. No one. And you know who sure, sure doesn't owe us anything? God. He doesn't owe us nothing. And you know why I can stand up here and say this? Because at one point I thought he owed me miracle. I thought if you really are who you say you are, you'll give me this miracle. And if you don't, maybe you're not. Come on, I've been there. I've walked through it. I've been the one standing there holding the dead child saying, this is hard to understand. I can't wrap my mind around this. You're supposed to be good. You're supposed to be somebody. I've stood there and said, this is hard. I, this is hard. I don't get it. But then when Jesus looked at me and said, are you going to leave? I said, go where? Where would I go? What would I go back to? What, go back to a broken marriage where everything was falling apart and I was addicted to pornography and I hated myself and I may not have cut my flesh, but mentally I cut myself. Every go back to that? Go back to 
what? Why? Because he didn't turn one trick? Because he didn't turn one trick for me and I just want to walk away? Go back to what? Can I tell you for the last maybe year, I've been quiet and I've been in a garden. But can I tell you, I came this morning to say, I ain't going nowhere. I'm not going back to anything. If nothing else, if nothing else, he's poked me for the last time. If nothing else, I'm so sick of a pathetic, weak, defeated enemy that keeps snatching us out of our positions and snatching us out of our places. And I chose to stand with Peter today and say, go back to what? Now that I know him, what to go back to? <laughs> What's crazy is this is only chapter 6. Now you can look at this from two ways. By chapter 6, this means that they could have potentially been following Jesus for over a year now. Timelines are very hard to keep up with in the Bible. But potentially they could have been following him for over a year now. But if that's the case, they still have two and a half years left to go. You with me? I feel y'all today. Some of you this week, Jesus has been asking, are you going to turn back to? You felt it. I'm, gonna be, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm even going to take it a little step further because I'm just, I'm using what I've been through to feel where some of you are at. Some of you have been avoiding prayer because you think he's going to ask you. I wouldn't even come in here. Dad came to me and said, man, I, I've been using your office. You ain't been in there. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm starting a home office. Home office. I got three kids. There ain't no such thing as a home office. In my home office, you have to dig through all the toys and the stuff and get to the desk. You know what it really was? I knew he was asking. And, and if I'm really honest, there was a part of me thinking, at this moment, to go back may be easier. I mean, this is hard. This is hard. It was hard. It was hard when we lost Timothy. You know what else is hard? The garden is hard. It's hard. It's hard because when you're in the garden, you still got you still got to keep going. You still got to do life. There's still expectations. There's still things that have to be done. When I didn't want to do nothing. I was like, this is just hard. There's many of the disciples. So you know what that means? That included the 12 disciples. It never differentiates in this story. It never says everybody else is struggling, but 12 disciples are like, yeah, we love it. No, they weren't either. They were struggling just as much. But it was in the struggle. They chose to stay. See, if you haven't already dealt with Satan in the wilderness, then he'll convince you that you're wrong because you're struggling. I can't, I can't believe you're struggling with what the pastor said. You must not even be saved. You should probably go find another church. 
Satan getting our heads kicked, all this kind of stuff, because it's the struggle. But in the middle of the struggle, Peter says, go where? I love it because he ends it with, go where? We already know you. I love that. Because the struggle's real. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to go through some stuff. John 16, 33, in this world, you're going to go through tribulation, trials. It's going to hurt. It's going to be a struggle. But be of good cheer because I've already taken care of it. I already know the one who's taking care of it. So in the moment of the struggle and the wanting to walk away and the wanting to throw in the towel. As a matter of fact, I don't know, it's been a little while back. I was just in this. I was just going through it. Just this whole process. Just struggling with so much. Being in the garden. Things happening, changing, shifting. And my wife finally just set me down on the bed. She said, do you want to just walk away from it all? Just quit it all. Just walk away. And in that moment, knew. That wasn't Courtney asking me if I wanted to quit. That was Jesus saying, are you going to walk away too? And right there on our bed, because I told you all I process quietly, so if you ever get into some kind of deep argument or discussion or thing with me, it's going to be very boring for you. Because I'm mostly not going to say anything. Right? <laughs> Usually our um, what I want to call them our discussions, let's call them that, uh, usually end with, are you not going to say nothing? Well, I haven't said anything for 13 years, so I'm probably not going to change now. You see what I'm saying? But I knew in that moment. But you want to know what, what I think was the most incredible part of that moment? Not just knowing that Jesus was asking me through my wife, but knowing I had a wife spiritual enough to let Jesus ask me. It would be awesome to be the man of power for the hour and just that awesome ministry that's just so strong. But if, if I just had to go through and count the times where I was in my struggle and I was going through what I was going through and it took my wife having a dream, or my wife having a vision, or my wife sitting me on the bed saying, are you going to walk away? And it's what saved me. It's what brought me back in. So maybe today, built different does work. Because the majority of everyone in this story walked away. But there was a few that were just built different. tell you, you may not even be struggling with completely leaving, going away, but you're just not satisfied with where you're at, so you keep searching in other places to pull something in, to figure something out. And Peter says, go to who? You're the only one with these words of life. I, I can't go anywhere. And, and it's just, to be honest, I guess I give credit to how like when we lost a baby and, and, and just different areas of my life where things were just so hard and I needed something. To be completely honest, I didn't go to anything. You can ask them. I never really came to that. What I did was I went back to prayer and I got my Bible out. I remember sitting uh, this little building we got right here that uh, Jennifer lives in. 
I remember I had an office in there at one time when all this was happening. And it looked like we were going to lose it. And I remember sitting in the floor in the corner with my Bible holding it like this saying, if you can just give me a word, I'll make it. That's all I needed. I didn't need your opinion. As a matter of fact, I was hiding from most people because I didn't care about your opinion. We've got to start being honest with these moments because this is not no walk in the park. If you want to advance the kingdom of God and live in all the things that we're called to do, you're not going to do it while you dance through the daisies. You're going to have to go through some stuff. You're going to have to deal with some situations. And I'm tired of sugarcoating it and acting like everything's okay. And how are you today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. No, you're not. You want to quit. And you want to walk away. And you want to give up on everything. And you've been spending hours in prayer crying and asking God why. Why can't we be honest and say, that's how I've been today. But on the back side of it, message I found on the internet I'm telling you this is my life if you've never had a moment in your journey yet where you wanted to leave the church then you've never served in ministry right everybody that's in ministry raise your hand we all wanted to leave at least sloppily. <laughs> Just kidding. We've all been there. And can I tell you, very recently, that's what I was doing. I wasn't leaving Jesus. I love Jesus. Jesus is awesome. I remember teaching the series on Love God, Love People. I used to always say the first one's easy. Loving God's easy because He's awesome. Loving you is the hard one. But I was there. I thought, man, I could just run my business. I would still serve. I would be the best member you ever had. You could, I'm telling you, you wouldn't know what to do with a member like me. I promise I'm not taking shots at everybody else. That sounded bad after I said it. You know what I'm saying? I was just there. like. But in the moment of God, of Jesus asking me, you're going to walk away too. You're going to leave this thing too. Because he began to show me he wasn't just preparing them to be connected to him. He was preparing them to be the church. Can I tell you, I, I, I feel with conviction. You may not agree. I feel with conviction. I could. I could step away and I could love Jesus. I could have an incredible family. I could have a successful business. I could do all that. But I would have to do it outside of what he's asked me to do. Feel me? And what he's asked me to do is be connected to this body. What he's asked me to do is to teach this body. And so through my journey that I've been on, that I just quickly took you through, I sat here last night, actually I was laying on the stage, completely exhausted. I laid on the stage with all the conviction and certainty I can muster up, I answered Jesus. I said, go back. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I'm not stopping. I'm not quitting. 
to make a declaration before you, Life Church family. First of all, I want to thank you, some of you. Lord Judge, would you pray for me? I want to thank some of you, my leaders, especially mom and dad, my wife, those that serve on teams with me. I want to say thank you for grace while I've been in my garden, while I'm in my garden, while I've been through this process of being quiet, being uncertain at times. Thank you for your grace. But I also want to say right now to you, like church family, that my silent season is over. And last night, God began to release me to start talking again. And I believe today was just a, maybe the arrow point, or I don't know how to put that, of where he's fixing to take me in teaching and preparing for the equipping the equipping for the work of the ministry in Life Church. I had to go through my season, and I'm not going to apologize for it. If it felt like I left some of you hanging or I've been distant, I am sorry about that. I am not a natural people person. It's just not my thing. So especially when I'm in my process, Courtney has to stay on me. Don't forget, text this person back. Call this person. You know what I mean? There has to, I've just been through it. But I just want to say before you, First of all, I love you. I love this church. I love this family. And I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to teach. I'm ready to play my part. I'm ready to pull my own weight. If that makes sense. And I'm hoping that you will join me this weekend as I join Peter. So right now I want to do this. We don't need music or nothing. I want to do this. If today felt like me describing my journey, I was describing your journey. I'm going to read the scripture again, and I'm going to read Jesus' question. And after Jesus asks you the question, if that's you and this is what you believe and feel today, I want you to stand up and respond with Peter. Are you ready? Then Jesus turned to the twelve, and he said, Do you also want to go away too? But Simon answered him and said, Wow. This is it. Answer with Peter. I want to hear you say it. Go back to what? Come on. I'm going to ask you again. And Jesus said, Do you also want to go away? And Peter said, Let this be our resolve this morning, my church. I've never, in closing, I've never been the type to push church moving and hopping and all that kind of stuff, whatever. I've just never, I've always just ignored it. Uh, But today I want us to, I want us to make a couple of just resolves in our spirit. First and foremost is what we just did. Go back to what? I'm not reading Jesus. He's crazy. Ain't nothing out there like Jesus. There's nothing. But I feel like some of us need to also have the resolve and say, I'm not leaving my church. I'm not leaving. This is family. And I don't leave family. I don't give up on family. I don't walk away from family. This is it. Because if you don't have that resolve, 
somebody in here will give you a good reason to leave. Probably him. Because <laughs> he's bringing some truth right now that you're going to have to sit in the pew and say, this is hard. This is hard. But what happens is, will we override our tendency to lean socialistic? Will we override that tendency and say, even when it's hard and I just wanted something, when he requires this, this, when the truth requires unless you, I'm not leaving. Because I'll tell you right now, you can find 40 other churches that will preach it just like you want to hear it. They'll accept your tithe and love you all the way to heaven. But if you want to be a part of the 12 who changed the world and birthed the church, you're going to have to have a moment where you have the resolve, I'm not leaving. I'm not going nowhere. Kenny, I'm not leaving. You got me? I'm not leaving you, bro. Are y'all with me this morning? Do you feel me? We've all been in this for who knows how long right now. And he's been giving you every excuse. Every excuse. They haven't taken it. They haven't called. They forgot. How come they didn't show up to this? How come they didn't speak to me at this? All those are him trying to say, there's your way out. There's your escape. There's your exit. He'll give you as many exit doors as you want. You ever... (laughs) This is it. I'm closing. I promise. You ever had God ask you to do something so you said, okay, if they play that course 14 more times, I'm going to say it. You ever that? If that person walks on my job today, that person you haven't seen in 20 years, if they walk in here today, I'm going to speak to them. You ever notice that? You know, Satan's the same way. As many opportunities as you want, he'll keep giving you doors. He'll keep giving you ways out. I guess in all, I'm preparing you today because at some point, you're fixing to be ready to walk away if you haven't already. But today, we as Life Church family stand and say, go back to what? Go to where and go to who? Can we pray together this morning? Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for a group of people, for a family who has decided to stand today with resolve and say, go back to what? We choose not to go back to anything. We choose not to turn to anyone else. But you have the truth. You have the words of eternal life. We know you. What do we go back to after we know you? Father, I thank you for the process. I thank you for the journey. I thank you for the grace to handle it, to go through it, to process it. God, I thank you for what you're doing in Life Church. And Father, if you are bringing Life Church through your garden right now, we just cling to you and we pray that you give us the grace to withstand the pain, the twisting, the undoing, the dying, all the things that have to take place that would prepare a body to go into the fullness of everything that you have designed us to be, God. Today, we thank you for it. We bless you this morning, and with all conviction, all resolve, we say, go back to what? In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Life Academy, today at 5. If you're going to be there, let us know.